Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from a storage center in Rancho Cucamonga, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 211, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Scott. This is Cash. This is Mark. Today we're going to discuss how to sell a found lot of stamps on eBay. So if you happen to win one of those storage auctions and uh, find a big box of stamps, this is what you're going to do with it. And actually, we get calls on this all the time. A person will uh, call us up here at PSE and go, I just got this box of stamps. What do I do? And uh, so we're going to go over imagining that we got a banker's box full of stuff, and how would we sell it on eBay? Well, should we um, should we assume that the person has some knowledge of the Scott catalog and can identify the stamps correctly? Why don't we do both, just in case? Because the Scott catalog identification is important for the valuable stuff. Let's discuss how we would list something if we don't know what's valuable or not and put it up and present it. So if something's in there, somebody will see it and maybe bid up the price. For, well, think, for sale, stamps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, think, you, see, you see lots like that on eBay. Yeah, I think people have an innate sense of, to, to see if something is, looks really old to them. Um, so I think the key for those people would be to take a lot of pictures um, and... Um, you know, and kind of tease the, the, the buyer as to, you know, there's this and there's a bunch of other stuff that I haven't taken pictures of. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's if you're going to sell large sections of it. Right. Um, if you're going to try and pull out individual items, that would be different. Well, and let, when, and when you're going through, that. And when you're going through it, I mean, you're looking at, you pull out a random item, and the first thing that strikes you is there's a date on it. And it says 1964. Wow, that's old. That's most people's reaction. That's ancient. Well, in the stamp world, that's <laughs> not old at all. Brand new. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Um, 64 is the new 20, right? Something but you're like also that? looking at what, con what country is it from. If it's from the U.S., yeah, pretty much it's, you know, if it's unused, it's more than likely going to be postage. Well, I But have, if it's, you know, if it's a foreign country then who knows. I remember getting a phone call from a person who said they have a stamp from the Alamo. And it was a 9 cent stamp with the picture of the Alamo on it. From what 1956, something like that. 58, 58. somewhere somewhere it's in the Liberty series. Mhm. Mm when I used to answer phones a lot, I always used to feel like some sort of condescending butthole or something telling people, 1964, that's not an old stamp, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you said 1864, we got something to talk about. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is... Uh... Well, when they say 1964, my first reaction is, is it gray-blue stamp with John F. Kennedy on it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if that's the case, then uh, go... 
get a few more and mail a letter. So if you want to actually see what the old stuff is, if there's a book or an album inside of the um, box, look at the first couple pages because that's what'll be old. If on page 47 you find something old, it's probably not that old. Well, it's old enough. I mean, old is a relative term. I mean, if you're a millennial, 1960s is old. But in respect to the stamp collecting world, it's not. I collect Roman coins. And Roman coins are old. And stamps, you know, not so old, generally speaking. But yeah, okay, so you you find this box. Yeah, if there, well, if there's an album, then for sure you want to take pictures of the first few pages that have stamps. Yeah. And... That's assuming it's a single country album. What if it's a worldwide album? Well, you still- now you have to pick and choose what country are you going to take pictures of. Right. So my suggestion is find the pages with lots of stamps on them. Well, that are preferably 19th, early 20th century. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a broad generalization, which is probably going to be wrong, but correct like 90% of the time. If you have a worldwide stamp album, it's probably not going to hold much value. Exactly. Because if you. Although, you know, I had one and I just. I put everything in it. You know, I'd pay, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars for a stamp and it would go. Well, that would that is unusual because usually if you pay three or four hundred dollars for, let's say, a British stamp you're going to have a British stamp album because the chances of there being a picture for that stamp in that album is kind of low, unless well, it's a Great Britain number one, because every album has a picture of a number one and a number two. Well, a lot of times they'll have, uh, you know, you talk about high-value stamps for Great Britain. There's the the pound value, one pound and five pound value. Uh, Stamps, they're large. Usually there's one illustration for all of the different varieties. Yeah, might be water be break yeah. varieties, might be perforation varieties, but there'll be one to show you what the stamp looks like in case you get one. Because the cheapest one's not going to be probably be out of somebody's reach. You know, I'm going, that's a good point. When you go through, generally speaking, the higher the face value is going to be more important than the actual age of the stamp. Like a 10-pound stamp from, or, or a 1-pound from uh, 1906 is going to be much more valuable than pretty much any stamp up. Some of the higher value uh, stamps, which you actually have to look up and you have to watermark and stuff like that. Yeah, that that is a good point. So old so probably trumps high, Higher high. face value. And now, today we think of high face value as... You know, in, here in the states, maybe five, ten, twenty dollars. Those are not stamps you see every day on your mail, so those are high face value. Well, when you get into the nineteenth century, you know, uh, twenty-five cents, twenty-four cents, thirty cents. Those are high values. So you have to look at the stamps around it and see what sti- if anything sticks out uh, based on that era. Yeah. yeah, there may also be um, stamps that are in a different type of holder, 
Like, for example, if a, if a collector put this thing together and they had a valuable stamp, they may put that in a different type of holder that is more protective. I see that the all others. the time, yeah. Like, everything will be hinged, and then you'll have a show guard mount for a stamp. And you go, I have no clue what the value of anything is, but the fact that they put that in a show guard mount and everything else is hinged, that's probably more of a prized stamp in their collection. Right. It would mean, and not necessarily, but more likely than not. Right. So a worldwide collection, let's say you have to peruse it a bit harder than a single country collection. Is that a fair statement? That would be a fair statement. Yes. Now, if you have a single country collection... You're also more likely to have a little bit of value there. Right, because somebody felt the desire to actually spend money on a book. Well, not only that, but when you're focused on a, a single country versus a worldwide, you have less choice of material to buy. And if you want to add stuff to your collection, you're likely going to have to spend a little bit more money. Yeah, that is true. Whereas a worldwide collection, you can get cheap packets. You can get you know a thousand stamps for five bucks. Yeah, you can say I'm a, I, everything I need in this country now costs five dollars or more. I'll just switch to another country where I can still buy nickel stamps. Yeah, or you yeah. just keep buying mixed packets, and you know you're going to get some duplication over time. But even if you're buying a thousand stamps at a time, you mm. might not get more than a handful of duplicates. In your first five or ten years of buying these things. So, Mark, how would how would it, let's make pretend you got a worldwide book? Yeah, you know whoever puts one out, it's a nice looking book. It's it was kept in good condition. How would you sell it? I would uh, first look to see what's the most attractive pages, and uh, take pictures of those. I would take a picture of the album itself, and I would. Uh, put it out there as a especially if it was a country that had no clue as to the value i would put it out there as collection of stamps from and then identify the country and say you know maybe something like completely unpicked or um you know uh selling it as received yeah and then put as many pictures as possible 12 right uh yeah you're limited to 12 unless you want to do some tricks like for example uh, take four pictures and then in Photoshop stitch the pictures together as one and then you can upload that as one of your 12 um, for eBay. So that way you can get 48 pictures instead of just 12. Yeah. Create a collage. Yeah. Also inside the description, I'd say there's a lot of stamps of Germany and Belgium and Russia and Slovakia and M Monaco and right. wherever large numbers. Whatever of, you're not showing in the pictures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if you are showing them, because if you show a bunch of stamps, you say you have a bunch of stamps in Germany, and then you show a picture of Germany and it's got five stamps on it, they're going to like, uh, but if you show like a full page of Germany and you say, in addition to a full page of Germany, there is a bunch here and here, 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 that may be enough to get people to, uh, oh, that's a good point. Would they be bidding or would you put it up for a fixed price? Oh, I put it up for an auction because that would generate a lot more excitement. Um, the other thing, too, is that um, you have the ability of um, of enhancing the listing. If somebody sends you a message and says, you know, can you describe the Germany for me? Um, what you can do is um, when you respond to that person, you can add a photo to the response, and then you can post the response on the listing. Yeah. 
So, um, so if that you, gets you an extra photo. Right. Yeah. So if, if, if you find out that your customers are interested in a specific, specific area that you didn't put pictures of, then you can, you can bolster your, um, your, the image of the, of, the, uh, of the lot by you know, answering those questions and making it public. I would add one more thing to it. I would say take the album, put it in a priority box, take it down to the post office and say, how mu- when this thing sells, how much is it going to cost to ship? And then put that in the description. Because well, if you're using a priority mail, you can probably fit it. In, if you can fit it in a flat rate, that's probably your best oh, yeah, option. Probably Medi- better, yeah. Medium flat rate box. Yeah, yeah, it's probably your best option, even if the box is a little oversized for the album. Uh, because you do not want something to go up for auction and sell for $25 and then find out that it's going to cost 25 bucks to ship it to France. Right. That's that's a killer. Right. That's a killer. Right. So what you do is you figure out how much your potential shipping cost is going to be, and then you either raise your minimum offer price by that amount and offer free shipping, which to me makes sense because a lot of people look for free shipping. And, you know, you just build it into the start price, or you actually put the, you know, in your shipping costs, you put yeah. priority shipping what and, would you do, and this Mark? much? Would I you, would, uh, or you I can would, offer to uh, split it with the buyer. Yeah, I would definitely weigh it and uh, and put it and use the eBay shipping calculator so that when they put in their zip code or their country, it will tell you, uh, it will calculate the shipping, you know, uh, right then and there. Yeah, I don't think I would give the free shipping because. Oh, uh, let me take that back. I would give free shipping if. I said in the listing, U.S. buyers only. Because then I could eat the shipping and I know what it's going to be. But if you well, have... You could, you could also say domestic shipping is free and foreign shipping, please add $3 you, you or $5. You can do that in the listing, too. Oh, it's yeah. going to be more than that if or you're shipping a book. $5, $10. Yeah, but, yeah. but you, can, you can actually do that in from the eBay listings as well. You can offer free shipping to, to domestic, domestic buyers. Yeah. Yeah, one thing you mentioned before, or what, what that we talked about before, was on the on the listing, um, or when you're taking pictures, you want to look for stamps that the collector took special care to mount. Um, but there's a there's an extreme at the other end. If you've got a book where the packaging around the stamps is so incredible, and it's got engraving and so forth, and uh, you know every you know every single page is just one stamp. That's actually a red flag because it could be a company that was profiting off of non-collectors by putting common stamps into expensive-looking packaging. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, we've seen those before. Okay, yeah, those packaging are generally very much larger than the stamp. Yeah. So, how would it differ between if it was a U.S. book? Or, well, we discussed the foreign book, and again, my big thing about the foreign book is it has a high percentage chance of selling overseas. Let's say it's a U.S. book. We're here in the United States. We have a United States collection. If we were in Canada, let's make pretend it's a Canadian book and we're going to sell it domestically. But whatever the domestic country you are in, you have a stamp collection from there. How would you sell that? Well, first of all, I, th- I think statistically, I think it's between 70 and 85% of the majority of collectors in any given country uh, collect the country that they're either living in or were born in. And um, 
that may be in addition to other things, but they also collect that. Oh, so, I've seen that absolutely be true. So, yeah. so um, it's always best to try and market your single country collection in that country. You're going to get probably the best price in that market. Well, let's... So, so again, you're going to look at earlier stuff, yeah. higher value stuff, stuff that's mounted differently. Uh, as Mark said, you're going to take a picture of the album. You're going to take uh, as many pictures as you can uh, uh, of examples of pages. You can offer to... You can offer more pages. Um, as far as with U.S., I would also look for different sections. You have the postage section in front, but then you have back-of-the-book sections. And sometimes the back-of-the-book sections are actually more attractive to certain buyers. So, you, you know, if you're into airmail stamps and you have all the early airmail stamps in, this, in, the, in the album, you'd want a picture of that page. Well, I actually just two weeks ago bought a large collection and the person collected mint. So the first probably 10 pages in the album were blank. And then after that, he started collecting mint because you don't have a mint us number one, you know, stuff like that. Well, I think you, he had a number 26. If you do, it generally goes to auction. <laughs> yeah. So, so at a certain point you look at where is, where do the stamps start showing up in the book? And right. that's, you know, the older the stamp, generally speaking, the more valuable it is. Um, so you would take pictures of, let's make pretend that you have nothing up until the Colombians. And then you have just a one, two cent Colombian. And then after that, you start seeing a smattering of stamps. How would you photograph that? Well, it's it's tempting to uh, take a picture of the of the page that has the number 26 mint. But it's just one stamp on a page. And, you know, even though it might be more valuable than uh, a section later on that has complete sets or a full uh, full page of stamps, it's far more attractive to take a picture of the full page of stamps. Yeah, I, I would absolutely From a marketing agree. standpoint, when you're trying to market a collection, I would agree. Yeah. Now, let's make pretend to, I'm going to put a caveat here. Let's make pretend that you took the album to somebody and said, how much is this worth or how much would you give it? So you're not going in totally blind. You, you did get a Scott's catalog and you did look up some stuff, but it's just a general collection. And, uh, let me, let me ask you a question and here's a real life situation. You have a U.S. collection. It is fairly good. It's all used. It has a U.S. number one in it. It's in crummy condition. Do you leave it in or do you take it out? If you want to sell the collection, you'd leave it in because you want some. You want something in there that that people are gonna, you know, want to buy. You leave some meat in. I totally right. agree with you. I totally agree with you. But I see a lot of people who would pull that number one out. That yeah. depends on what the market is. I mean, if you're gonna replace it with a better copy. That's oh, also yeah. <laughs> that's also an option, but then you're going to bump up the price yeah. of your collection. I have spoken with many, many, many dealers who say they will pick out a stamp or two or three that doesn't fit with the normal. Like, right. you know, they have a nice average condition U.S. collection, 
and you have this superb $5, number 573. They would pull that one out and break this set. Right. But they would leave in a U.S. number one that's eh, you know, something like that. Well, but another thing, with a 573, that's... Yes, it's a it's a stamp in mint condition that can run a couple hundred dollars, but if you're a dealer, you probably have other ones of different, of varying qualities. Yeah, that's a stamp that you can pull out a superb stamp and replace it with one that matches the condition of the rest of the collection. Or maybe put a used one in its place. Yeah. Or yeah, but then then it wouldn't match the rest of the collection if the collection is mint. So you want to try and match the condition. You don't want to go too cheap, but you don't, you know, but if you have something that's just sticks out as, as a sore thumb because it's superb, it's a, yeah. a really good selling point to draw somebody in to buy the collection just for that stamp or B you replace it with something that's a little more closer to the quality of the overall collection. Now, remember that this is a box that came out of a storage locker auction. And you're, and you're not a dealer who has stuff sitting around. So, Well, also, if you get a storage locker box, generally speaking, the people will know if, if, grand, if that's grandpa's storage locker. He probably had some duplicates. Maybe there's one in there. Yeah, but you sit there and go, well, was grandpa like a rich stamp collector? And go, no. Well, that, that was probably why it was in the storage locker. You're probably not going to find. Well, if it's in the storage locker, most likely Grandpa passed on, left it to the kids, and the kids put it in the storage locker. Could be. That's Could be. generally more likely. Because so, Grandpa would still be playing with the stamps. Yeah. So we put this up for auction because what it, there's a new thing that just came out with uh, fixed price, isn't there? Right. eBay's changed their uh, their strategy where they no longer allow you to set a time on fixed price listings. Now, um, the uh, every fixed price listing is, is is a good till canceled listing. So if you're going to list something for a limited amount of time, three, five, seven, or ten days, it has to be an auction. However, there is a caveat to it that if you go onto a special screen or use a special uh, program, that you can still do the 30-day. Probably with some of these. But we're uh, looking that I, up still. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of these third-party uh, software uh, makers that, that make software that allows you to uh, do eBay listings, they may have the ability to um, take down the listing after a certain uh, period of time. But if you're just using eBay's listing tool um, and you're and you're doing any kind of buy it now listing, it has to be good till canceled. Yeah, this is something that just came up. It well, the, the just other, happened. The right. other thing with with uh, with the thirty day listings is that uh, every thirty days eBay would charge you a listing fee. Well, they'll do that. With, they, they do that with they good do till cancel. Yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah. yeah. So okay. they still they still charge you every thirty days. But uh, I think eBay's strategy for this is they wanted to make sure that search engines could find the listings um, that people are people are looking for. And if the listing expires every thirty days, uh, I think their thinking is that the it won't uh, rank as high mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, search results. I also have another, and this is a plug next week everybody who is interested in ebay will want to tune in because we're going to have folks from ebay calling in but one of the things that it looks like 
and I'm not sure, but it looks like if you go to the category specifics, if you go to a special page where you enter this additional information, they will let you list it for 30 days. However, I'm not sure that's the case. However, I do know that category specifics, which we'll discuss next week, is a really, really big thing that they want to address. Right. That'll be uh, that'll be something to discuss with the with the eBay guy. Yeah, and just uh, what that is is inside of the listing. You know, you put your title up there, and you put down very fine uh, C3A inverted Jenny. Well, in the category specifics, you're going to put down the year it was printed. You're going to put down the condition, whether it's mint, hinged, mint, never hinged, used. And then you're also going to have categories for um, if it's certified right, or if it's not, because eBay is eBay is as tired of it as we are of people selling fake stamps. And then the last thing is they're going to have probably something for the buyer themselves. You know, are you a member of an association or something like that? Can you be trusted more than just having a really good rating? And these are really big things that I think are going to make eBay fantastic. I mean, it's really going to make searching great. It's it, it, basically if you go to the coin section and you type in one cent, or excuse me, if you type in Lincoln one cent coins or U.S. coins or whatever, however you want to type it, it'll give you a page and it'll allow you to put a, hit a button that is $30 or less. You want the cheap stuff. $30 or more, you want the better stuff. It'll have NGC, PCGS, ANACS. You can pick what grading company, or you could click on uncertified. And so you have all these choices. You can really narrow everything down and look for what you want. And I think that that's really where eBay is trying to go with this. Although I'm, I'm you know, next week we'll ask them, but right. I think that they're going to kind of struggle in the stamp category because some items specifics like color. Um, yeah, that you know, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you've got a stamp that's yellow or olive yellow or you know yellow brown, um, you know that's that's going to be kind of tough to you know to do search on. I think that the category specifics you you have to have them for every single category on eBay, right? And so maybe you know in the car sale category, color matters. Mm -hmm. But in the lipstick category, you know, everything's going to be red or something weird. Right. <laughs> and not, you know, not insulting anybody who doesn't wear red lipstick. I've seen, I know plenty of people who wear black lipstick, but it's not the norm. Right. So, I mean, unless you're some weird collector who collects blue stamps, just blue stamps. Mm -hmm. I don't think that category specific is going to be right. useful to anybody. Well, there's a couple of others, like in condition, they have the choice of mint hinged or original gum. And you kind of have to scratch your head, well, you know, what should I pick? You know, if I've got a hinged stamp, you know, do I select mint hinged? Do I select lightly hinged? Do I select original gum? Um, you know, that's a, you know, and you're trying to get into the mind of the buyer. Okay, what are they going to search for? That, that is a good question. But one thing that I do like, <clears throat> right now they have modern starting at 1941 and going on. And then 
1900 to 1941, which is the big category that most of the, uh, let's say, intermediate and advanced collectors, they're in the, that 1900 to 1941 category. With the category specifics, you can put in like 1937. Yes. And then the person on the other side will do a search and say, I want stamps from the 1930s. Do a search. And you see all the stamps from the 1930s and yours from 1937 is going to show up. And that way, you know, people can specify, you know, I collect the two cent red era. Or I collect the three cent commemoratives. Or four cent. I think that that's going to be really, really, really strong. I think that's going to be fantastic for eBay. Yeah, it might be helpful when you're trying to put in one cent um, uh, or or um, five cent Franklin, oh, and, yeah. and you put in the date, you know, or you know, something. If if you can put in the date eighteen, you know, forty seven, then you know you you can get the the stats you're really looking for rather than. I have that problem because when I search for U.S. number elevens, I'll search. It's really difficult. I, if I put in number eleven, I get a number eleven. I get number 111, I get number 1,111, <laughs> I get stuff that's priced at $11, I get 11 stamps in the set. <laughs> so it's it's rather difficult to do searches. I really look forward to this. I think it's going to be fantastic. It's, a, it's more work on the side of the sellers, and I'm a seller and you're a seller, but I'm willing to put in the extra time. Yeah, one thing they do is they... They th- one of their category listings on um, condition um, follows the the grading of you know ninety five ninety eight or seventy five, wh- but they don't actually have the number. Well, that's appropriate, right? Because a, a, the number is just a numerical word. You know, fine, you can define as a lot of different ways, but between all the grading companies, we sort of have said you know an eighty is this quality. And whether you go to PSE, which I hope you do, or PF or PSAG or anybody else, an 80 is going to be pretty close to the same, no matter what company you go to. So uh, that's interesting. And also it brings up a thing. uh, The APS just released a uh, little note and put it in the uh, journal. People are selling stamps in their uh, their approval books and they're saying grade 90 or grade 95 or grade 98 and it's that person's numerical grade and EPS came out and said stop putting numbers on there unless it's got a cert that has a number on it you're and so if you're just a guy and go hey wow this stamp looks really good sure it's torn in half and duct taped together again but man, this this has got to be a 98. And it's like, no, it's not a 98. It's ripped in half and duct taped back together again. So that's an aside. Okay, back to our book. Or excuse me, back to our box. Um, how about if there's just loose stamps in it? I think that's the easiest one. Because, Throw them in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> well, I mean, you spread them out on a table. And I've seen lots of listings where... Uh, the person had a digital camera and he took a picture of a bunch of stamps on a table and said, starting at a dollar bid. (laughs) Sure. Well, you know, that's funny because there was something very similar to that, 
that Lloyd and I saw the other day, and we're like, well, it looks like there might be a couple nicely centered things on the top of this pile. <laughs> you willing to put a bit in? I'm like, yeah, we'll split it. And I think we decided that we'd be willing to pay like 40 bucks for it. And we got blown out of the water. It went for like 140 <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a pile of stamps. Yeah. That's a... I mean, it was a lot of stamps. It was a big pile. I mean, the guy, the the seller had the number. It was a lot of stamps. It was a big pile. But it's just like, wow, that's a big gamble. 140 bucks. And the harsh thing is, if that person had, you know, he put it up for an auction, obviously. Yes. Yes. I'll bet you if they had started, if they had put it up for a fixed uh, fixed price at like $50, probably wouldn't have sold. Right. <laughs> yeah. For 50 bucks, nobody would have bought it. But you put it up, you start it at a dollar, and all of a sudden that thrill of the auction comes up, and all of a sudden it sells for 140 And I see that all the time. Well, if you're the seller and you put up something like that at a fixed price, and it sells within 30 seconds of you listing it, then you know you've you made screwed a mistake. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the other side, though, I've put stuff up for $20, and it doesn't sell, and it doesn't sell, and it doesn't sell for like six months. And I put it down for $10, cut the price in half. And then it doesn't sell again, doesn't sell. To, I thought it was worth 20 bucks. Now it's $10 and it's still not selling. So I go, screw it. I've had this thing for like two years. I started at a dollar. Literally, this, this happens over and over. Started at a dollar. It sells for 30 bucks. <laughs> and Auction fever. It is. It really is. May you... Uh... Always be on the uh, winning end of that as a seller. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So anything else about this uh, fictional banker's box of uh, stamps we want to address? Well, if it's got individual stamps that are identified and you think they're genuine or you know they're genuine, but it's an area that you're not familiar with, let's say something like cut squares, and you've got some cut squares in there that are catalogs, say, 100 bucks, um, but you're not sure you know, what to price it at, um, one thing you can do is um, do a search on eBay for that same stamp, and you can sort the listings. I usually sort highest first and then the lowest, and that way I can compare the stamp that I have with what's what's being listed and say, okay, you know, mine's worse than that one, worse than that one, but mine's better than this one, and, you know, kind of come up with a price there. But the other thing you can do is... Um, off to the left side, there's a box to check for completed listings, so you can find out what oh, they yeah. actually sell for yes. versus what they're listed for, and that's uh, that's a, a pretty educational thing to do. Well, another thing is when we were downstairs, me and Scott and Tom, a uh, fellow came in with a book of stamps, and he had a stamp that cataloged six thousand dollars in it, and it was a German inflationary period, and. He just didn't check the watermark. So instead of being a $6,000 stamp, it was literally a 20-cent stamp. And so you do have to know this sort of stuff that even if there is a price written down, and throughout the book, a lot of places they had put the mint price down because it's the first number you see. All these stamps were listed with their mint values. And they were all wrong by well, not only vast that, multiples. Not only that being uh, unfamiliar with stamps, um, you got to watch out for different watermarks and things like that that some collectors don't check for or 
just yeah. get wrong because th- some watermarks are hard to see. Yeah, they don't know. Or the difference between watermarks is subtle. Well, I remember one of the very first people I went out to buy a collection. And it was a beginner's collection. It had a lot of mint in it that, you know, I, I priced it like, I think it had like $150 of face value. And I offered them $100 for the whole collection. And they said, well, look over here. There are four number 64s, a catalog, $800 each. And I go, no, those are number 65s. They catalog a buck and a quarter each. They thought I was a crook. And I wasn't able to do anything. And I walked out and I said, well, that was a waste because, you know, I offered them uh, 66% of face. And they got hung up because they have four stamps that they misidentified and thought that they had a $3,000 collection instead of a $150 collection. Well, when you're when you're buying from a person like that rather than buying out of like a storage auction, you know, if you still want to try and make the deal, you can say, well, why don't you keep these? Because I don't think that they're. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done that before. Here. Yeah. And and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, but the harsh thing is if they think you're robbing them, they're not going to sell you anything. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to be very careful before you hit that spot where they go, oh, then say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure about these stamps. These are better ones. And oh, I, I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't a, sure. I was absolutely positive that they I understand, were not correct. I understand that, but they don't need to know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you get the read that they're going to react that way, you can kind of head it off by, uh, well, you know, I, I don't really want these stamps because, you know, I, I really can't afford them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, the rest of this stuff, which is just kind of the... They bring them up and you go, oh, I didn't see those. Oh, I'm very, very sorry. Here, I cannot afford those. Go ahead and keep them. Let me buy the rest of it. Yes. <laughs> And then they go to the dealer, and the dealer says, yeah, I'll give you a buck for him. They go, gosh, that guy was real. (laughs) They'll sell it to the third guy who tells them that they're the cheap ones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's if you can find somebody to buy four number 64s misidentified. (laughs) No dealer will pay you a buck for him. Well, my favorite was uh, I put together a million-dollar collection once just for the fun of it and just misidentified everything. I had a number five and, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and it cataloged a million bucks. I uh, I ran into a guy. He took a table at a booth, or he took a booth at a show, a, a small show, and uh, his mantra was, yeah, I have expensive stamps, but everything's faulty. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I looked through his stuff, and sure enough, he didn't. it wasn't misidentified. It was just faulty. <laughs> he had tears and creases and thins and everything. But he had ca- stamps that cataloged, you know, two, three, five thousand dollars. But he, and he was realistic because he knew it was faulty. He paid faulty prices for it, and he was selling it as faulty. So, but he had a really great collection, and his eye was well. If it looks good, I don't care if it's faulty. I have several special printings, and I've probably got eight of them. And if you took all eight together, there's probably five complete stamps 
<laughs> I mean, they're missing corner. It, I I would like to find them where they're just torn. These are like mangled, but you know, some of these are like seventy known, fifty five known. Well, it's well, like, they're it's like one you. of them. <laughs> they're they're like you. Not all there. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our conversation today, and uh, we're not going to be discussing new issues this week. So, and we won't do it next week because we'll have uh, Stephen here from eBay. Excellent. Good. Well, thank you for listening. This has been Stamp Show here today, episode number two eleven. This was Tom and Scott and Cash and Mark. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.